0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Strengthen the Numbers. Now, did you know that when we're anxious, we get sweaty palms? However, it's exactly the same sensation our bodies give out when we're excited. So with all the disruption going on around us, how do we in finance make sure that we, we get this sweaty palm sensation, but have a different driver causing it? Otherwise, we're at serious risk of being left behind. So on today's episode... I brought on a fantastic guest mentor, Khaled Chowdhury. And what you only get in this episode is probably about 30 minutes of our discussion. We actually spent two hours chatting and I really admire what Khaled's doing. He's taken a sabbatical, went over to New Zealand with his family. So it was his evening. Our daytime looks absolutely gorgeous where he's at. And still took the time to share some fantastic insights. And in particular, we deconstruct how it's okay to be a little alarmed. Um, but also how we can best invest in our most important asset as finance professionals, which is ourselves. We also covered the advantages of actually being trained by sales and wise leaders. Uh, Also a story around our most valuable resource that we can give back to the business. And in the same instance, how Khaled helped drive 50% more sales, a practical approach, that we can use in finance to help navigate and accelerate the learning curve so we can acquire experience faster. And finally, we deconstruct three components of habits and how to change them to bel- deliver better outcomes to the business. And if you enjoyed the episode, why don't you check out our timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Khaled at sitnshow.com podcast 132. And we'd also appreciate you leaving us a review or letting your friends and colleagues know about us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And we really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Khaled and the show.
1: Sure. I guess in summary, what you can call me is a curious person who has been humbled by the knowledge of not knowing enough which kind of led me to acquire the courage to ask the questions and see what I learned today and how I can make an impact. Just to give a little background, uh, after a little bit of rocky relationship with math, I picked economics as my major, thinking that would be less math, only to find out that was applied calculus, <laughs> eventually. Graduated with uh, economics as my undergrad, double major in accounting and finance. But the weird mix was I did a little bit of programming in school. One thing that probably highlights my career is that I have been more lucky than good. I graduated in the middle of the recession in 2008. However, I actually started at my job at Exxon Nobel as a management accountant. Only two weeks after I started, they froze all hiring. Uh, that was a great start, to be honest, because uh, Axo, being a European company, they were trying to bring in the concept of business partnering to the U.S. So I'll I hero a fresh grad from school who was reporting to Vice President of Sales, not accounting or finance, to help them do business better. So this is what you get when you have a finance director being trained by salesperson
0: <laughs> and just on that one actually Khaled, if i'm going to jump in there like what you know now, now that you've had a few years obviously since then to look back on it like what would be the main advantages of having that uh, you feel in your career
1: i think that has been uh, the, there's two parts of it right being t- trained by sales and being trained by leadership who are pretty wise, they have passed on to me these nuggets of life wisdom, even though when they g- gave it to me at a time I might not have appreciated, but they have been foundation of my success. And as I kind of talk through my backgrounds, I'll bring up a few people, that kind of uh, was my way of finding the best information or the guiding principle of how I work in being successful as I am. So my success is not really my own, but the great people and the companion who became my friends as well who are truly deserving that credit. So, like, in my first job, the vice president I reported to, his name was Jim Troxler, uh, a lot of the friends would call me that I had a man crush on him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, to be honest, right, from... uh, He's the person that I probably learned how to lead people and how to bring the best out of them. And he was someone that truly cared about his people and his way of management was you lead people and manage things. You do not manage people. Uh, When you care about them and give them the resources, that will make them successful and they will put in 200% to achieve the goal
0: actually you know what that that's a that point resonates with me Khaled, because one of my favorite leaders you know would always ask you know uh, how's things going what resources can i help you get i love those questions they like they they really care and it's always about trying to get things done Um, so yeah that that's very important point definitely
1: i think just on that leadership perspective right like that's one of my leadership principle that uh, you lead people manage things And the second one is, if your team is not learning, you are not leading.
0: Okay, that's interesting. It sounds sounds like there's a story behind that one. Do you want to maybe elaborate that one a bit more? So I
1: think uh, what I have learned, especially in today's world of change, a lot of the part of the responsibility that falls on the leader is to guide the learning process. Um, Just elaborate on that. right? The amount of the technological change that we are going through we're not going to have the same way of doing things every five years, forget 20, 30 years, everything that we are learning is probably going to get out of service by five or 10 years. And in that case, the only way we'll survive and thrive is by learning. So one of the biggest responsibility on leaders nowadays should be to help navigate. I don't really like calling teams. It's more about collaborators. Mm-hmm. how do we uh, what do you call navigate this learning journey and true leaders would be the one that lead their people through that learning process to get to that next stage
0: yeah okay and like um have you got like maybe an example of of where where that's happened successfully so our audience can uh, can relate to more because i completely agree with you but how does that manifest in the work we do in finance
1: so One of my mentors, one of the best managers I've worked for, his name is Marcelino Rodriguez. He was the previous CFO for KMG Chemicals. And his way of management uh, for what I am today and every single person on his team was the fact that he gave us resources and feedback. He said, I do not know how to do your job better. So every day when he will come, he'll say, you know your stuff more than I do. However... What I can tell you as a customer, these are the areas of your that we can appreciate more, and here is the resources to go learn. So he would help us pick things. So, from two perspectives, one perspective would be he would pick something for us to learn, and he will let us pick something to learn, which he will support as well. And that continuous learning process helped us get to a stage where you would not really see people get to without that number of years of experience.
0: Well, well, well that's, that's what it is. I mean, like, particularly in these very sort of fast moving times, you know, we've got uh, our internal customers, external customers are increasing expectations. There's a lot of, how do you say, different generations now in the workplace that that need to be brought to be, together and, and the most brought out of them. And like, look, uh, you know, I suppose you've gone through a lot of change yourself, Khalid. So um, I suppose what's what's exciting you most about what you're currently working on or you're currently doing? So
1: (laughs) the most exciting thing that I'm doing right now is I'm about to go on a journey for my sabbatical. So the part that excites me about the future is the possibilities for us to use our time doing more thinking rather than doing for us to provide better value to the business proactively.
0: I suppose I, I completely agree with you. And there's some other points I actually want to take up on about the technology is so, um, so would you maybe, maybe sharing an example of that? We did more thinking and it helped serve the business better. So our old process
1: was we would close the month and then we'll get all this data and we'll put them together and the option that was given to us, we are not going to be able to do that till we, every one of us was on the same ERP, which every time you ask, it's three years down the road. So what we did was we kind of did this rogue project sponsored by the CEO to put data from more than a dozen ERP into this business intelligence tool. and. What the outcome of that was, as we were getting better information, instead of finding it out at the end of the month, if something is off, then go get take a next step and figure out what is off, we started to see a pattern develop even before a month ended. Whereas we would have taken a corrective action after two months we took action even before the month ended to rectify the problem so we had a pricing situation which if we had caught it later would have created a significant loss versus the pricing simulator started highlighting that we are starting to get a negative price impact from something that we did not expect which was a different step because usually you do those analysis looking backwards, which still was the case, but as it was happening on a more regular basis, even before the month ended, it was caught earlier and rectified in time.
0: Excellent, excellent. because um, I think it's very easy because we do a lot of like routine type processes and we get into the flow of the way of doing things, it becomes sort of like um, a habit. And I have to say, I really enjoyed your article, Khaled around um, sort of breaking out of habits. And uh, and I thought that was very useful for a lot of our our listeners as well. So do you maybe summarizing the motivations behind doing that article? So the article was, I personally have
1: been struggling with my weight and I've tried all kinds of stuff and nothing sticks. So I came across this book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habits. And I said, why don't I figure out how what it means to change a habit. And in summary, what he talks about is there is three components of habit, one being a cue that triggers the process, the routine, which is your habit, and there is a reward behind it. And figuring out what is the cue, which tends to be either a specific event, time, people, emotion, or a preceding event, that leads to do your certain routine, which tends to be the habit, and then you get a reward, whether if it is that cookie that you pick up or that socialization that you need or the sugar that you're looking for. And for us as finance people, there are things that we do the same way. We have habits on a monthly basis that we this is our queue. Month ended, we're gonna do this routine. Our reward, I guess, is the monthly package. However, the challenge becomes in today's world is the business is looking for a different reward. And to deliver that, we have to change the cue and change the habit so that we can give the business the right reward they're looking for.
0: Yeah, completely. Completely. And I suppose then in terms of yourself, then like uh, it's some really good resolutions uh, applying that. How, uh, have you adjusted your states to to make that useful for you so i
1: think um for me that what i focused on different goals than losing weight because that's not a sustainable goal mm-hmm. so i got myself one of the fitness tracker and my goal is to walk six thousand steps every day mm-hmm. so, which is a very useful goal so my goal is around walking the steps. So I have my cue and certain time in the morning or in the afternoon, based on my day, I'll go for a walk, which essentially helps me clean up my mind as well. And uh, that has definitely improved the trajectory of my weight. <laughs> but it, what it comes down to is uh, to change big habits in life. Sometimes you have to focus on something that else is something else that uh, becomes a keystone habit to make you successful in maintaining
0: that. Um, and, I, and Maybe it comes back to discontinuous learning is breaking out of that loop of just doing something the way it's always been done, because it's just been done that way. There was a, something you, you sort of said when we were chatting around and I, I really loved it. Um, it was around, uh, I guess, technology. And it's not necessarily the technology itself that's, that's disruptive, but it's the application of that technology that's disruptive you know that's a very powerful saying but um, I guess you know how has that helped you in your work so the idea this is actually
1: one of my um, takeaways from Clay Christensen's class uh, called uh, disruptive innovation and the idea it talks about is uh, the technology by itself is not disruptive but how it was used A good example of that would be the project that I just finished at KMG, where we brought in the data for the 12 ERPs and things like that. What we did actually was not revolutionary at all. The difference was how we did it. Traditionally, this task would be given to IT, you would go through 12 months process, of statement of work and then maybe in two years you'll get something versus us being close to the data and i think it puts fpna specifically in the spotlight is because you know every single problem with the data how it comes out and the difference in ownership comes from the fact is Whereas if you ask IT why this is this, they would say this is what the system says versus the responsibility that falls on us that we can usually explain why the number is this and what it should be. But coming back to the point of disruptive strategy is we took technology that was pretty available and the way we harmonized it from the perspective that we brought in data from invoicing But we also brought in data that was booked as a ledger. So the data was always true. It was one version of the truth regardless of how you want to do it, whether if you wanted to see the invoice data that was there, if you wanted to see the other portion of the data that was there. Now what we created instead of uh, IT-led enterprise reporting, we created self-service business intelligence. That Helped the business in the perspective is that now they had a form of data that was useful for everyone. In the sense that we built a dashboard for the CEO, but the same dashboard was relevant to the frontline salesperson.
0: Very interesting. And um, I suppose that must have been received very well. I suppose what was, um, how, how did that come across in terms of impact for the business or what people were saying.
1: So I think the thing that I usually say to most of my uh, colleagues and as I'm trying to promote this idea, I'm not going to promise that we're going to get this huge value out of this. The one thing that I'll promise that I will give you the most valuable thing to you, which is time. Mm -hmm. And you know how to do the business better. So once I free up your time to do the more valuable things, you will. So, one of the sales team that I dealt with, they spent two weeks' time doing sales reporting. Now, they don't spend any time. Now, the sales for that region went up 50%. Do I take credit for that? Not really, but they, did, they are the one who went out and sold. All I did was I gave, freed up their time to do the things that they're good at, and at the same time, give them tools to make the right decision.
0: Well, it comes back to leadership, though, doesn't it? Khaled, in terms of what you were saying earlier, is giving people the resources in effect to go and achieve their potential. So, giving people back time, like as much time as you just did there, to go out and you just saw the impact there. That's that's the impact of good leaders. And like this is this is the thing I, I have a fundamental belief in. Finances, we're in a great position. Should we choose to accept it, to become great leaders for our organizations and drive value for everyone around us, so we all benefit. It's, I mean, what are your thoughts? So,
1: starting back to the idea that we talked about, leading is a lot of it is your team learning, right? So, I will use something that I picked up from uh, Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. So, a lot of times we teach, we have the saying called teach how to fish, right? They will feed themselves for ah, the- Okay. However, a lot of times, we teach people how to fish, but we do not give them a fishing rod. Oh, great one. So my philosophy is to teach people how to fish, give them a fishing rod, a stock pond, and the support when they need them. Develop their skill set, and they will be on their own. So it's about empowering people to make the right decision and actually give them the support along the way to build that expertise.
0: You know, like I think that's the thing where we are, you know, because we see the numbers and the transactions flow end to end or even just part of the end to end process. We're, we're very well positioned to be able to help give people the necessary rods, fishing rods to go out and, and, and fish more. I mean, in theory, they really know how to do their jobs. It's just we need to, you know, we, we should be able to, to figure out how we can help them do their jobs in a in a more effective way. Better decisions typically is, is is where we're supporting decision makers. And that should drive better numbers in theory, right?
1: Absolutely. So from the perspective of empowering people to write decision, I think it puts finance in an absolutely awesome position because we know the company's data better than most people. That and given our position, it gives us the perfect spot to become the steward of company's data.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: And certified Definitely. in the process to give it to people to make the right decision.
0: Yeah. And look, and, and actually, you know, what uh, talking about data, we could probably spend all day and all podcasts on data alone. It's, um, it's like that new oil, the new f- fuel for the business. Um, so maybe that's going to have to be a follow-up podcast for us. But, um, you know, you've been giving us really great advice, Khaled. And, like, there's been so many bits there that you've received yourself. Are there any other bits of advice that you've received or a favorite bit of advice you can perhaps share with our audience? I guess uh, just
1: around the data and the number part, right? Uh, data is important because it's unbiased, but people forget this is a proxy of the real world. This is not the real world. So, when they deal with data, they have to understand the reason is good, it's because unbiased and the reason they have to take it with a grain of salt because it's a proxy of the real world not the real world and the one thing that I would say is uh, it goes back to my history after I was doing my first budget I spent a couple of all-nighters to do this <laughs> and um, my sales vice president was like um, that thing hard at that point he said Khaled it's not about the numbers I said, what are you talking about? I just spent countless hours putting this together.
0: <laughs>
1: and he looked at me and said, it's all about the story. The numbers have to flow with the story.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: But at the end of the day, the, like for us, being a good steward of the data is to be able to create that information pool where we can get to a story that to make sure at the end of the day, it's whether our stories jive if sales is saying that we are seeing weakness in the market from this perspective, whether does the story from the procurement make sense? And whether we're working towards the same story and that's where you have the beauty of data that you take this information and get to a good story and figure out if it fits the story that you want to tell your customers. If it's not, take the action to get there.
0: I love the way you strung that together, and I write that the stories the stories have to jive, so kind of really appreciate that. Uh, and I guess you know, going with that stories theme, you're you're amazingly well read. Um, I, I, you know, and uh, you know, if you were to recommend a couple of books or resources for our audience, uh, what might they be?
1: Well, I think uh, for people who works with uh, forecasting, I think I would definitely suggest Super Forecasting. It's a book by Dan Gardner from A Good Judgment Project. And it kind of highlights the qualities of people who are really good at forecasting. And what they found was very interesting from the fact that it's not who you think you it is. It's not the experts or something like that. It's just people who are curious, goes into a problem with the open mind, and takes on every single possible information. And they're always open to changing their opinion when new information arrives. And uh, from a different perspective, I think I would really suggest reading Persuasion by Robert Sildiani, which talks about a lot of the things that creates the perception that we are trying to do and that help, that can be very helpful in improving our image to our customers
0: yeah definitely 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 because we we, you know that is a big challenge for us is that image problem you know in terms of what the business actually really expects from us versus what we can potentially uh, deliver for them what's the best way for audience to connect with you
1: the best way to connect with me probably is find me in linkedin i think that's the one platform i use most professionally i do have a twitter handle but which i am not so a regular app. The reason I usually use Twitter to keep up with the technology movement. I'm a big fan of uh, Microsoft's new technology suite, Power BI, and their entire suite around that. And the uh, the great part of it is it evolves so fast. Also, not so great part of it is it's very hard to keep up with the evolution of it. And I use Twitter for that.
0: No, and and uh, again, I'm I. I will put those links in the show notes on how best to connect with you out there, Khalid. And look, um, I suppose before we start wrapping up, is there any sort of parting thoughts uh, for our audience that you'd like to share?
1: I think the part that I want to really talk about is um, we are at the cusp of a software revolution. And that software revolution is about to leave a lot of people behind like it did during the industrial revolution. And it's the automation and all the things that we are talking about. However, the part that I want to highlight is, should we be alarmed about it? Definitely. But I wanna highlight one of the things that uh, I picked up from Simon Sinek. He talked about um, when we're nervous, we get sweaty palms, elevated heart rate, all kind of fun stuff. But if you look at it from a different perspective, that's the same symptom we have when we're excited. So as it is, the, how the software revolution can keep, a, what do you call, uh, create a barrier for people or leave a lot of people behind, at the same time, it is also the one of the most exciting times from a perspective that, it it opens up so many possibilities. So I think people should take this opportunity to invest in the most guaranteed asset that is themselves to take advantage of this wealth of information because there has been no time in history the amount of information and really good information and education that's out there, which is also free. So... Taking advantage of things like that can be very fruitful. Just to give you an example, I'm taking a class by Laurie Santos, who is teaching the most popular class in Princeton. It's about how to be happy. <laughs> and from a different perspective, right I don't have the resources to be able to take a class from Princeton, Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge, but in today's world it's more more than likely it's out there It's about finding the curiosity deep down and looking for the information because there is definitely a premium on curiosity
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I, and I, I think I know the answer why, obviously, because we've spoken about this. But for audience, why is there that premium on curiosity in your mind? So the
1: reason it kind of goes back what we were talking about earlier. But as things get more automated, all the cut, copy, VLOOKUP that we did in the old days, those will not be required. We will be given the information much better. But it would be of the curious mind to find information behind it proactively to find uh, insight that is helpful to the business. So I'll give you a different example. So this was an experience that I had in my first job. Uh, So right after I started, there was a hurricane that hit Houston. And we made this claim for $900,000 to our insurance agency for $500,000 for onshore and $400,000 for offshore. The first thing they did when they came back, they said, your policy doesn't cover offshore. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) me being me, I was curious. I was like, okay, tell me what exactly it covers. So they said it is any area that was impacted by the hurricane, whether through initial landfall or rainfall, the exact trajectory of the hurricane path. So initially our claims was based on coastal locations. As after getting this information, I was curious enough to go figure out the entire zip codes of the hurricane path only to find out that my biggest customer, which is half a, what do you call it, 500 miles in, inland, got impacted. And we ended up winning a $1.4 million settlement. A <laughs> lot what the initial um, claim was for, even though they denied half the claim that we initially made.
0: But look, that's where the but like, that's a very important point about curiosity. You know, if we're not challenging the way we're currently doing it now, and you know, those B lookups that you mentioned and whatever to extract, transform the data that, that a lot of us are still doing that, you know, and software is going to allow us to automate an awful lot of that piece. And if we're not preparing ourselves to then invest that time in, in our curiosity uh, not just in our businesses, but in ourselves, then, you know, it'd be like a big hurricane will come out of nowhere and it could be quite expensive for us. That is that
1: is absolutely true. I mean, just to give you a um, little bit of background to that, you read my article around the mindset, right? Uh, where I talk about it is no longer good enough for us to be jack of all trades and master of Excel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's part of the image problem yep
1: (laughs) uh, see the problem becomes is you need technical skills right but that's not who you are that's great
0: there's a lot more to us
1: yes so at the end of the day we are the steward of the data that is help guide the business to make the right decisions Mm -hmm. and whether that's formed in different ways Excel or that skill set. I mean, I have had people have fun discussion about VLOOKUP versus index match. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I understand the point of view, but at the end of the day, I care about the end product. So it is more important from our image perspective is to get out of that Excel jock rather than focusing on the technical skill set. By all means, we need to focus on technical skill set, um, which I'm actually writing an article on, um, hopefully coming out in sometime in March, that different kind of technical skill set we should be focusing on. But at the end of the day, it should be about the value you provide to the business. As you were mentioning earlier, having that value log, highlighting the information to the business that how you're helping them make the better decisions, not uh being a necessary evil uh just one of your points that you highlighted about the pinball effect it's about surrounding yourself with the people that will help make you that change so find your tribe to start your journey
0: yeah well 100 percent right khaled and i think that's a great way to wrap up this podcast is actually on that advice and actually it's funny enough is when we started talking much earlier today and for our podcast audience we've you may not be aware of this but we've been chatting nearly for a couple hours now (laughs) and you're only hearing a small part of that conversation because otherwise we would keep going on and on myself and Khaled but Khaled started by talking about impact impact and finance And as you sort of heard throughout the podcast, there's a couple of scenarios where uh, Khaled himself and and those he's worked with have been able to deliver value to the organization. And we need to be capturing this. And that is where where we're currently at. It's just forcing ourselves to appreciate, yes, we have these great technical skills, but we're more than that. And um, Khaled, really appreciate you bringing that out um, on the show and uh, really appreciate you investing your time with us today. It was my pleasure, Andrew.